and was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Ken York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 100 of the Liberty O. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stumpo. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Listen to preseason. About to get underway. Episode 100 and the beginning of season 5 for the Liberty O. I mean, it feels good. It feels good. Year one of the new era. Uh, training camp just got finished. I'm sure you could give us some deep, in-depth thoughts on training camp in a second here. But vibes are high. Every interview I'm seeing, they're talking about the locker rooms. The energy's good, which you expected. But guys have been here since September 1st. So yeah, I'm feeling good about the Flyers. Feeling good about hockey season starting. How are you feeling? Good. Good. Like you said, opening week of camp. I mean, opening weekend, if you will, because it did start the on-ice without pucks started on Thursday. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday was the first practice slash scrimmage. But like you said, man, just nice to have hockey back finally, just to see it on the ice, see Couturier back, see Atkinson back. Um, it's really refreshing to have those sounds and sights back in Voorhees to start. And then tonight's the first preseason game too, so. We'll have to find that link that'll be on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com if you're listening to this before the game starts. You can go and find that. And Couturier and Atkinson playing. Requested yeah. to play in the first preseason game. I feel like the first preseason game is always some kind of, like, at least in the past, some split squad, uh, get the rookies in, get some guy in who you're eventually going to send down, but just give them a game or two kind yeah. of game. So it feels cool to see some some conditioning importance here for Katoria and accent. It brings more meaning to the game. Like, I'm more excited to watch this game. Oh, for sure. And Katoria has reached out to Tortorella and Briere and whoever he needs to. And I'm pretty sure he's requested more games than a guy his age would usually get. And that's to be expected with how long he hasn't played hockey and the injury that he's coming back from, too. So, like I said in the beginning, it's just nice to see him out there. I wrote about it in my first blog on Friday. It's screw how he looked during the actual game. I mean, scrimmage, if you will. Who cares about the actual play? Just to see him out there hitting, taking hits, taking hits, and and, and skating with no hindrance is just from a Flyers fan perspective, from a human being perspective, it's just it's, it's so nice to see that guy back on the ice because he means so much to this team. And I'm not saying they're gonna be in the wild card race, but he does make this team better. If you can add a guy like that back into the lineup, and he can be 70 percent of what he was before the injury, then I mean you have an elite player, and I think he's gonna be better than 70 70 percent. So I mean he looks good, man. I mean we'll see what what's coming up but it's it's fun he makes things interesting he really does because i mean you hear the flyers players talk about it all offseason especially scott law and like losing couturier and agassin that's about 60 goals out of your lineup yeah but set aside the 60 goals how many goals would sean couturier have prevented or how many top line players would he have shut down so his efficiency is just through the roof when he's on and very excited to see him but i actually have no doubts about him like for most people this camp is everything. I mean, we're a young rebuilding team. This camp should be everything for a lot of people. It should be their chance to make their mark. But for a guy like him, who's just so far and above every other player in the organization, just been here forever, it's really just a condition extent for him. Exactly. I mean, and he needs those games to get back into the groove of things, especially if he's going to plan on playing 82 
full games this year. So, I mean, he's been playing between Owen Tippett and Travis Konechny all of camp so far. Konechny won't play today because he's a little banged up per Tortorella. So, uh, Brendan Fury will sub in there. And Fury was actually, I don't know if it's Fury or Furry or I, I don't know. Somebody correct me on that. But, um, yeah, he'll fill in for Konechny who's a little banged up. And, I mean, he scored in the scrimmage on Sunday. And he looked pretty good. I mean, he didn't look out of place. Obviously not Travis Konechny, but it's uh, it's telling to see that he's the guy that they'll have up there to replace him. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. Kind of similar to how I was looking at the 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 line combinations for tonight's game, and I saw Day uh, Day Norier as the fourth uh, C, and Denver Barkey is the three C. So I think it's pretty telling that a guy that you just drafted third overall this year is already playing ahead and maybe I'm looking into the the line combinations a little bit too much and it actually doesn't mean anything and it's just fit and player but I did see that and kind of go oh okay that's a little it's a little like oh, it's a little telling right because you got Brink playing on the first line next to Couturier and uh, Faraby tonight and uh Forrester will be next to Barky and Matt Brown so it's uh it, it seems it might be minor, but it definitely yeah. seems like a development adjustment. Like definitely in, compared to the past, for sure. And I mean, if we're gonna talk about the the line combinations and all that, we might as well go down to the D pairings because I personally think the D pairings tonight are the best thing about what could be what could happen tonight. Because you got York Walker as the first pair, Andrea Grands as the second, and then Sealer Bonk. So we'll get to see our 22nd overall pick from this year with Sealer, who, I mean, who is a pretty good defensive defenseman, and Bonk's a pretty good two-way guy. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how that pair looks. But, I mean, every pair has a storyline to come out of it. I mean, you got York with the added responsibility that he'll take on this year with Provorov gone and him moving back to his natural side. You got Emil Andre on the second pair, who is looking to make this team. Granz traded in that Provorov deal. And then you got Bonk, who was drafted 26th over, 22nd overall on the third pair with uh, Sealer. So that's something that I'm personally looking at uh, tonight. It's, it's, it's going to be really, really fun to see how they perform, how Emil Andre performs, because he's already grabbed uh, John Tortorella's attention after the first two days of camp. So I'm interested to see if he can continue to play well. Because uh, he's a guy that I personally think he, I mean, he might make the team out of camp if, if he continues to play the way he's been playing, in my opinion. But, I mean, there's a lot of obstacles that would have to happen to in, in order for that to happen. But, I mean, crazier things have happened, right? Dude, today's the day I wanted to skip to. Like, yeah. when everything happened in the summer, when we got Mishkov, when the new jerseys revealed, this is the moment I wanted to just skip to. Start hockey season. I mean, that was a long two months. Like, how are they just going to tease us like that and then have us wait two months, man? And then I'm sitting here waiting on a Morgan Frost contract for two months. Like, okay. Which we never even talked about. A quick two-year deal worth $2.1 million a year. I mean, another bridge deal. Yeah. So, I guess I'll just put my thoughts out on this yeah, right yeah. now. Uh, I, I do think it's a bit of a failure that they they clearly went into this offseason with a goal to lock up an RFA, and they didn't do it. And Like, shit happens, and you still maintained RFA status, so it's... Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Like as far as bridge short-term deals go, it's probably the best way they could have gone about it. So I'm not gonna cry wolf, but I definitely would have liked to have seen 
someone get a long-term deal yeah. because th- that cap's going to go up. I, I truly believe some of these players are going to get better and overperform their value if they would have been signed to an eight-year. So, Seven shit happens. That's yeah. easy for me to say. I'm not in these players' camps. I'm yeah. not... Like, I, if I realize the cap's going to go up and that we should get a snag, I'm sure their agents realize it, and that's why they played hardball for so long. But oh, absolutely. It, it just, it just kind of sucks, though, because I would have liked to have seen that, that W right there. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, Personally, I think York would be the guy for me that I would have liked out of – I mean, if I had to pick one out of those three guys for them to have locked up long-term, I think my, my pick would have been York because I think that – I think he's the safest bet to be as good as we think that he's going to be. I mean, there's still questions regarding Frost and if he can continue to gradually impress and uh, continue to develop – like he did last season. Um, if you listen to Torts yesterday after practice um, on Morgan Frost, his position is not locked by any means, and he has a lot of work to do in Torts' eyes. So, I mean, if any guy out of those three that I think me personally would have liked to have seen locked up long-term and the organization probably would have wanted to, I think that guy is York. Um, but, I mean, like... I've said to you off podcast, I'll gladly play, pay, I'm sorry, York, Frost, or Cates the money that they want if they're as good as the money that they're requesting is. You know what I mean? If, 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 yeah, if it's not. Cates is 26 and 27 years old and he's a, a, a Selkie candidate that can put up 60, 70 points and he wants 8 million, 9 million, then yeah, okay, take it. I don't care if if you're 26 years old. So it does suck. I agree, but um, you can't win them all, right? And I think Briere wants to play it safe, so I'm not gonna bang on the table and and be mad about it. But it it would have been nice if one of them. I agree, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's just all. Like I don't think it's gonna be too costly down the line, but it's just a little disappointing because of the weight, the way the way it dragged. It really it really teed itself up in a way to make it seem like a long-term deal for one of these guys was coming, mm-hmm. especially Frost. But I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned how Torts talked about Frost and how he still has a lot to to improve on and work on uh, into the season. And then he switches and talks about Cates, and he's like, if Cates can just learn how to – not learn, but if Cates can just continue to develop that offensive game, then, I mean – does he boot Frost out of that top six C spot? And he kept, and I said it to you on text. He kept saying center, center. Is Frost a, a top six center? And he kept emphasizing that center word. And I mean, it's something that we've pounded the table for for the last couple of years. I, I personally think Frost is an NHL wing. Bad, that's what I think best suits his skill set. So, if, I mean, it's it's common sense, right? I mean, like the, the his biggest issue has been, oh, he doesn't play enough two way. He doesn't. He doesn't finish his checks. He's not big enough. Like, what's the easy solution to that? You throw him on the fucking wing. I mean, it's it doesn't seem like rocket science. Like, it, it we bring up his biggest issues as an NHL player, and it's like, okay, that responsibility dies down a lot when he goes to wing. So, plus you put him in uh, better opportunities with open ice, uh, and it better kind of suits his skill set. So, I I I think it's better. I, I can't see how they give up on him. No, I mean, not give up, but I can't see how they would. Say Cates does turn into a 60-70 point guy, and then that's your one-two bang right there. I don't see how you either cash in on a, a potential false frost trade for another young prospect that needs a different scene kind of thing, 
until you put him on wing. I just don't see how you at least don't try it. And if that's this year, if that's next year, whatever. But it would be something I would like to see because I don't think long term if Frost is going to be on this team when they're trying to compete, he's not going to be at center. It's going to be at wing, whether that's the second or third line. Um, but it is it is something that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on this this season because it was interesting to hear what the differing opinions on Cates and Frost were with Torts. And it's not like it's out of the blue. Like We knew that Torts loves Cates. I mean, that's just oh, like yeah. his kind of player, but... And that's why I think there's an element of truth to what he's saying, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I do think it's a little bit of button pushing. Because I think he yeah. realizes that Frost is always at his best when, when you push a couple buttons. I think he found that out last year. Yeah, but, I mean, and he, he did tip his cap to, to Frost's improvement towards the end of the year last year. I mean, how can you not? He led the team in points since January 1st, I think that was. So, I mean, he was good. He was, like, the best player on the team towards, like, the last... 50 60, 50, 60 games of the season. So, if he could just keep continuing, and we'll see how he plays tonight. It's that's that's big for for, for the Flyers. That 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 two seat position is a very big question mark heading into the head to the season, along with a lot of other things. But that's definitely one of them, right? Yeah, you just mentioned the last half of last season. Mm-hmm. I I don't think people fully. Because people weren't watching, right? People were so checked yeah. out. I don't think people fully realized. Like, vibes were high at the end of the season. Like, yeah, we weren't making the playoffs, but we knew an eventful offseason was coming, and it was just kind of – it was like a tryout, basically. And they, yeah. some players overperformed. Like, we actually got some of the best hockey games that we watched all year towards the end of the year. I mean, look at Tyson Forrester. Yeah, seven points in eight games. Yeah. I mean – And he was just putting on a show the entire time he was up here. So, great point. Absolutely. And Tortorella, I don't know if you watched the Thursday press conference, the one after the skating session, and he mentioned just yeah. the whole vibe. He mentioned the vibe of the room. He said it's it's entirely different, and he's enjoying the vibe of the room going into this year. And he name dropped Hayes, Provi, and Tony. Like, did he, he really? Were, he did. Yeah, you should go back and watch it. It was really interesting. Try to and, paraphrase uh, it if you can, because I didn't. That's probably the one I didn't get to watch. He was um, basically said. The, with Stalzy, Hathaway, and all those guys, mm-hmm. and Couturier back in the room, and Atkinson back in the room, it's a whole different serious vibe compared to, like, Hayes, Tony, and Provy. And he gave credit to those players. He said, like, love the people, and they went to tremendous teams, and I'm sure they'll help them out. But mm-hmm. it just wasn't – basically said it wasn't the fit here, and I feel like I have my team here, finally. That's the way I read into it. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting quote, and I love that he name-dropped because – we all would have assumed it anyway if yeah. he said it. So it's like I like how honest he is with that kind of shit. Yeah, I like how he just acknowledges what we're all gonna just kind of whisper about if he doesn't acknowledge it. You know what I mean? Like if he weren't, exactly. If if he doesn't go Hayes, Provorov, D'Angelo, it, it's gonna be oh, was he talking about those three guys heading into the first preseason game of the season? So yeah, I mean you gotta love how blunt he is. I mean yesterday he comes down from the top where you know like where the the GMs and everyone watch the scrimmages from the balcony yeah. mm-hmm. he comes like we we all see him start walking down from there and he comes over to the benches and he calls over the two groups and he starts laying into them I guess because after he went back up and the play resumed everybody was throwing bodies bro it was like Sandheim and Ristolainen in the corner throwing shoulders at each other Nick Delorier and and Cam York were like teaming up on Hathaway and uh 
and Ryan Paling. It was so funny. They just it was obviously Torts was frustrated with how they were playing, and it was kind of confirmed after the practice because he got on. Is that when he said they just sucked? Yeah, he's like, they, yeah, they just sucked. He was like, they just sucked. <laughs> I love the way he said that. He was like, he because you could tell he like was trying to frame it better in his mind, but then he was like, fuck it, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was so funny, and it was he's true. Like, it was a very lackadaisical kind of scrimmage to start because I think I'm pretty sure that was team team three versus team two played the first scrimmage, and then the second scrimmage was team three versus team one. And it was just completely like night and day in terms of intensity. And I obviously that's not going to fly with Keith Jones, Danny Briere, John Torrello watching from the balcony. So he came down and laid into him a little bit. And they started playing a little bit better. But, I mean, I thought that was pretty funny to see. Plus the follow-up was hilarious. Because, I mean, he's going to tell you how it is. You know what I mean? He's not going to sugarcoat or anything. And that's, that's what you want in a rebuild, right? I mean, you don't want anybody to be blowing smoke up anybody's asses during a rebuild. I mean, you exactly. want. I love how honest he is. But when it, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Not when it yet. comes time for the media to, when they actually press him to sell out a player or run the boss over him, I like that that's when he stands his ground. Like, yeah. you could just tell he's been in the league such a long time. Like, he knows when to be a dick to the media when not to be a dick to the media and, and the impact it has. Like, it does have impact. Oh, absolutely. We did just mention Tyson Forrester, and he, he's a guy that got a lot of attention towards the end of rookie camp because he didn't play well, and that, to a lot of people, automatically means he's going to start the season in Lehigh. Um, but I, I just want to talk about him a little bit and his camp so far and what line he's playing on. So before we get into that, I might as well just list the, basically the, the NHL lines that I saw on the offensive and the defensive side uh, with you real quick, just so you can kind of get familiar with what I'm talking about. So from what I've seen, I mean, this has been pretty consistent throughout the three days until Sunday when Konechny missed for that little uh, injury that he had. Um, so this is the top line has been uh, Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, Owen Tippett. So Konechny's only been on that left wing side and Tippett's been on the right. Um, they did flip-flop a little bit, but it's been more Konechny on the left. Uh, second line, Joel Faraby, Morgan Frost, Cam Atkinson. That's been a really good line so far. They've they they started slow, and then they started improving as camp got on. Um, yesterday was definitely their best their best day of uh, scrimmages. Uh, Scott Lawton, Noah Cates, Tyson Forster is your third line. I don't think anybody individually has stood up, stood out on that line yet. I think they work together really good as a cohesive unit. Um, they both. Got, I mean, I you would like a puck carrier with Tyson Forrester for the kind of shot that he has, but in terms of Noah Cates and Scott Lawton getting into the forecheck and getting dirty, basically, if you will, and then finding Tyson Forrester in those soft spots where he's ready to shoot the puck. I mean, it does work, but I see the vision, yeah, for sure. And then Nick Delorier, Ryan Paling, and Garnet Hathaway is your forward group. So let's talk about them real quick. And honestly, at first look, if that stays healthy, that's not a bad forward crew. No, it's not. It's not the same. It's really as the Sharks. not. It's not. Yeah, it's not the Blackhawks. I agree. It's, so I'm excited to see if if Tyson Forster can, can continue to to prove that he could, should start with the team. Um, I don't think he's. St- I don't think anybody on the team has really stood out. Minus York, York is really really good. Uh, Sunday, I think that was. Uh, guys have had moments, but I don't think anyone's been 
stellar the entire time where you can just look at him and be like, okay, he's been just extremely solid throughout camp. But, I mean, it is still early, so first preseason games tonight. So, First line obviously looks like the first line looks legit. Mm-hmm. Second line, I've seen some people mention the size. Um, yeah, small. Better be it fast. Is, it is, but, but I mean, there's a lot of small lines out there. Yeah, I mean, so. but they're, they'll be fine. Yeah, it's not like they all they all play a small game person. I don't. I wouldn't classify Atkinson as playing a small game. No, not not like, at all. Yeah, probably so. the one guy on that line that plays the biggest game for probably being the smallest on the line. So credit to then him. Third line, obviously they're they're banking. It's a all solid them. line, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Like we we've had our little shit talks on on Scott Lawton for how long he's been here and shit like that. But that's exactly where you want him. On a team that's looking to—I mean, I'm not saying that we're looking to contend, but Lawton and his best position on a team that wants to win or be good is on a third or fourth line on the wing, and him with Noah Case and Tyson Forrester. I'm excited to see how that how that pans out. I mean, you got Tyson Forrester playing tonight, but he's not playing with Cates and Lawton. So, um, but seriously, that that could be a really good third line um, if. Noah Case yeah. cont- cont- continues to play the way he played last year. I mean, that could be force to be rookie of the year. I mean, could he contend, Danny? Could he contend? I don't want to say. That. <laughs> I hate. I hate saying because I, I feel know, like I, I, know, I always do that. <laughs> I going into every year. I'm always oh, like, yeah, yo, this guy's about to have a breakout. This guy's about to have a breakout here. I'm about to bet on Calder. He's plus ten thousand. But I was thinking about that when I was walking in from work today. I was, why can't we just have a season where I mean, you know how like Dallas had a couple of rookies break out, kind of not not randomly. I mean, they're they're obviously good players, but I mean they've had so many rookies just come in day one and and really make an impact right away almost. And I mean, why can't we have that? We're like maybe a rookie that we know is good, but we didn't expect him to to make an impact enough to make the team as early as he did, and he do and he does. You know what I mean? I really wish we could have like Wyatt Johnson for Dallas came in there last year. He's 20 years old, blew the doors down, and just had a really good regular season and playoffs. I mean, I wish we could have our Wyatt Johnson like a Tyson Forrester to have like a 50 50 point season this year. You know what I mean? Like something like that. I mean, it's I feel we like we're do. It'd be we nice. Might. It definitely. I mean, th- we talk about they're they're addressing development issues. That was like yeah. their biggest primary number one focus to tackle it seemed like was development issues and then then it seemed like the defense was high on their priority list as well for number two so i guess we just wait and see i guess we just wait and see uh we'll judge the body of work in a couple of years from now as far as developing goes but they're they're addressing it so no. the days of these highly touted prospects coming up and underperforming or showing out and then regressing and like connect me for instance like maybe that these days are gone but i don't think we will see that until but the vibes are high man i don't know like york looks different he looks different like the energy about him the way he's talking he looks like he he feels a part of the team he feels a part of the organization like he's comfortable now you could you could really get that sense like i feel like he might have been a little more reserved last year because of that little flip flip flop in the beginning of the year, there mm-hmm. wasn't certainty. But he seems like, hey, I'm going back to my natural position. I'm going to be a flyer, and I'm getting comfortable. That's what it seems like to me. 
he looks a little bigger too. I don't know if anybody actually went and got if he put on a specific amount of muscle in the off season, but he definitely one hundred percent looks bigger. So yeah, uh he looks really good at camp. And that Risto pair, I mean, they haven't been perfect obviously throughout those three days, but if everything continues to go away it has, that's gonna be your top pairing and I mean they've looked good, so like you said, York I mean he's gonna have a lot more responsibility put on his plate with Provorov being gone back to his natural side. So I mean Torts mentioned in his presser, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, about his struggles and about when he got sent back to Lehigh um and then came back and when he initially came back from Lehigh, he was good with the Flyers. Um and then Torts said then he started to tail off a little bit towards the end of the season, and he did blame himself for that for a little bit because he was on that right side, something that York has never really done before. Um, but having York back on the left side and developing developing him was something that Torts kind of emphasized in that um, media availability. So I thought that was interesting to to hear. I mean, I mean, we all knew that they were trying to do it, but I guess it's just refreshing to hear the coach and the GMs just be so honest about how, hey, like, hey, we <laughs> we realized that putting him on the right side last year um, probably wasn't best for his development, and we're not going to sit here and complain about him being bad last year because he was in a bad position. So let's just get him back onto his natural side and keep him there and let him play and uh, see where uh, things go. It's, it's exactly what you asked for, right? You, you got to love the quick recognition of that. Exactly. I mean, they gave him the keys. Like, they really did. If you think about it, Provy's gone, Tony's gone, and they did everything in their power to get Travis gone. So they tried getting the top three defensemen on the depth chart out of the fucking city. And that's yeah. that's that's because of Cam York. Like, they, they're they giving him the keys. They they believe in him. I believe in him. Um, I mean, look, they're moving Travis Sanham to the right side to start the season. Yeah, so. that tells you everything. I mean, the guy has a no-move clause fucking eight-year deal they're committed to him for eternity it feels like and they're still brushing him aside for the importance of developing cam york do you think it's brushing him aside or do you think it's they think adam adam jenning or email andre can make the team it's that it's it's they think york is going to be a better player on the left side mm-hmm. and that and they think one of those yeah. young players are gonna it, I, it, it really just tells you how they feel about travis anheim though like their level of confidence Compared to that of a Cam York, like they are, the organization is more confident, in, and they should be. They're more confident in Cam York than they are in Travis Sanheim, and they should be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I personally think York's the better defenseman now than Travis Sanheim is. Now and later, yeah. yeah. So, um, speaking of the defense, mind we'll go through them now since we're all done with the. Wait, 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 real quick. I want to, yeah. I want to talk about the fourth line. Yeah, we, we didn't go they've been little. good, Danny. They've been good. I'm telling you, this fourth line is going to get the crowd going. They're gonna get yes, the crowd absolutely. going. It's gonna be fun, man. They're gonna lay some hits. They're gonna. They're just gonna play a style of hockey that we're gonna get behind, hundred percent. Especially in home games when maybe we're getting hit a little hard. Maybe yeah. our young guys are getting hit a little hard. Uh, and this is <laughs> this is gonna be fun, dude. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean they're a lot faster than I thought they would be. That's something I talked about in my uh, most recent blog on Sunday, yesterday. Um, they're a lot faster than I thought they would be. I mean, I know they're, they're all three of them were big. Delorier, Paling, and uh, Hathaway were just big guys, physical guys, but skilled. I mean, Delorier is just a better hockey player than I originally gave him credit for when we first signed him. Um, Paling's only 23, 24 years old. I'm pretty sure he's 24. 
Um, still young. He's got some skill. He's big, fast. Um, and then Hathaway, obviously, I mean, you know how he plays. He was just running around, slashing everybody, getting into scrums, face washing, laying big hits on Cam York, and then getting in York's face. It was just, it's good. Like, that's something you want a veteran to come in there and test those guys in camp. You don't want those guys to be comfortable. Those young kids thinking they just can coast in camp. So, it's been fun to watch that fourth line. I'm not going to lie. If they can stay healthy and stay together, personally, that's one of the best fourth lines in the league. If not from a goal goal scoring standpoint, but just in terms from of what you want a fourth line to do in terms of settings. energy, yeah, yeah. Exactly. tone setting. Like mm-hmm. I look at the the New York Islanders, and everyone talks about their fourth line because that fourth line has been together for years or whatever. Like the Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, like Sizikas. I, I forget the exact fucking yeah. three dudes, but you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Like for years, everyone was always like, "Oh, the fourth line of the Islanders." Like they were good. It, it, it was true. Like, I remember even playing them in the playoffs. Like, that was the line that really started to send momentum in the Islanders' favor. Like, they would come out and just – it wasn't the flashiest hockey, but they were just no. beating us in every race, cycling the puck, and just setting setting it up so that when their first line comes out, there's momentum, there's energy, that the building's on their side. It's, we might get something similar to that here with this line. Definitely. A fourth line is important, Danny. It, it, it's very important. And- before we get into the, the defense, I do want to speak on – I'm glad you kind of stopped it before I got into them. Um, Bobby Brink, obviously the camp battles, I just want to kind of briefly go over. You got Bobby Brink, Tanner Lidzinski, Wade Allison, who is in a known – I mean, he's he's aware that he's fighting for a roster spot right now. Elliot DeNorier, and then uh, Ole Lykesell. Um, I think those are probably the, the five forwards that have the best chance to, if they do – start picking up their play more consistently to make the team. I don't think anybody else has a, a realistic shot. So, um, yeah, but Brink, Lazinski, Allison, Desnoyers, and Lexell. So I think Did you hear uh, Torts' quotes on Allison? I didn't. I didn't. He was uh, Bad saying... Bad or good? Good. He was saying he, he has a more serious look about him, a more business-like approach to this camp, and he said uh, in years past, or especially last year, he thought it was an issue just how lackadaisical he was. I thought that was interesting. I mm. definitely picked up on that. He um he he told him going into this season, like, hey, I need you. Like like the clock's ticking, dude. You need to be you need to be more business like, you need to be more yeah. serious. I like that though. I mean he he, he has been um, we all know and love Wade Allison for being the 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 funny joking kind of guy he is, but I do kind of agree with Tor Torello in a way, just like, all right, kinda kinda time to buckle down and get serious here. It is I mean you are fighting for a roster spot, right? Talk to me about Bobby Brink. Yeah, that's that's who I wanted to get into. That's the whole reason why I kind of brought up this uh, those camp battles. But, yeah, Bobby Brink easily had his best day of scrimmage yesterday. I mean, he was a man on a mission yesterday. Uh, I told you, Team 2, he's on Team 2, played Team 3, first thing in the morning at 10-10. And right off the bat, um, I forget what line. I forget what line he, he's playing on. What line is he playing on? Yeah, He's with Desnoyers and Lexell, I think. Um, and um, I think Denoyer found him in the slot, and he just went top left with the shot. It was just a beautiful. I mean, you when you think of Bobby Brink, you think of a guy who just creates plays from behind the net, off the wing, door, off the rush, just in any kind of way, because he's just got just ridiculous IQ and hands. But his shot is something that I've really noticed in those three days. It's improved um, over the summer, and that has to do. I mean, that's got to do with him just being healthy now, right? So. 
a lot of reports are coming out with him just finally feeling 100% healthy and ready to go. So, I mean, I think it's been noticeable. He was, like I said, easily his best day of camp yesterday all over the ice. Pretty sure he's, yeah, right after his goal, next shift, came back, hit the same post. And I was just like, holy shit. I mean, this kid's just buzzing right now. I'm just, he makes subtle little plays that a lot of people miss, especially with the way you watch those games because you kind of can't see when they're down the other end. But, like, just in terms of just putting a puck in front of the net from behind the, putting a puck in front of the net from behind the net in a really just subtle, quick way. You know what I mean? Just getting the puck in a in a square spot for somebody to tap it in. He's really good at doing that. Just an extremely blessed playmaker. Um, long shot to make the team because you got a lot of right wings and he doesn't really play left wing. So he'll probably most likely go to uh, Lehigh and play top top line minutes there. But he's been good, which is great to see because you want to see Bobby Brink healthy and playing hockey and looking like Bobby Brink because, I mean, he's, he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a pretty good second third line player for this team i mean you got to compliment his his stubbornness like in his return from the injury yeah i feel like so many times you see guys get injured like that and it definitely halts their development and reasonably so i mean like it's a it's a lengthy injury and it should halt your development but i feel like he his return from the injury has been nothing short of great like he's back on track and if not exceeding the track if you know what i mean hey he came back what last year in february i believe and then worked him. Didn't he work his way up to like a point per game AHL player? He he came year? back pretty hot. I'm pretty sure he had four points in his first two games. But like that, that's impressive. Yeah, total he had total he had 12 goals, 16 assists, 28 points in 41 games, coming off a torn labrum in his hip. So I mean, yeah, uh, middle of a halted like rocky development path. Like that. That's what it's not bad. makes me wonder what if he had a completely smooth path the whole way. How he'd be right now? Maybe he'd be a yeah. little better, but I don't know. I mean, he's playing tonight. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm almost 100. percent Yeah, he's on the top line with Couturier and Faraby, so you'll get a, a first-hand look at him, um, tonight. So you you can answer your own question in a couple of hours. Um, should be fun, dude. Jordan Hall just tweeted, after the skating gauntlet and six scrimmages, Flyers open the preseason tonight in Newark, New Jersey, 7 p.m. Sean Couturier is back in action after a long layoff. You just love seeing it, man. You just love seeing those words. I I can't wait to see fourteen in the New Jerseys, no teeth. I need to see it, Danny. I need to see it. I know it's been a long time. It's been a very long time since we've been able to watch a healthy <laughs> Sean Couturier. Even the last time we watched Sean Couturier, I remember we were on the podcast Forever. like, "Bro, he's hurt." I know. He's hurt. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> speaking of watching him, I mean, not for nothing. I I was saying this at work today. I, I watched the Arizona Coyotes in fucking Australia over the weekend at like one ten in the morning, and I gotta watch this game tonight through a website link. Through a website link at the same time as the Eagles, like uh, all right. Like, uh, come on, man! I just like it's twenty twenty three. Don't we want to build a game a little more? You got you got show your preseason games, man. Like I said, I, I I'm able to watch Arizona in fucking Australia of all. Like, what the fuck? And it has been this way since I started being a Flyers fan. It's ridiculous. <laughs> since we've opened our eyes and cable has become a thing. <laughs> yes, it's 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 crazy, dude. I remember being eleven. I remember being eleven, like after the lockout and stuff, like trying to find streams. It's the same thing. It's like we haven't innovated at all. We got an ESPN <laughs> deal. Our our franchise is owned 
by the TV company that broadcasts our games. Yeah. And we still haven't figured this out. It's it's insane. And every what makes year. it worse is I feel like every year it used to just be one or two games. It used to just be the Split Squad games yeah. that were on radio. But now it's all the road games. All the road games are on radio. So we aren't getting a broadcasted preseason game until the 30th of September. Wait, which I'm, is, I'm, I'm laughing how we used to walk into high school when we were little. And we'd be like, I for the Flyers game. And then we would find out together that the game wasn't on TV. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a tradition. It have because like I feel like it always slips the mind. I always give them too much credit yeah. over the summer. I'm like, now nah, they'll figure it out this year. They're their billion dollar organization owned by a yeah, multi billion right. dollar cable company. They they got to they got to figure out a stream right now. They're broadcasting less preseason games this year than they have in the past. Like That's what? crazy. That's Only home games crazy. and our home games start on the thirtieth and end on like the, the the second or the third. Yeah. So we play like two or three home games and then the regular season starts. So it's. It's ridiculous, especially when you have a new era. You're selling uh, these like documentary. <laughs> Look at us getting mad at preseason <laughs> games. <laughs> but it's fucking ridiculous, cause like I bet the Philadelphia Union have their games on. Like, bro, I turn. I, I was watching sumo wrestling on NBC the other day, bro. Yeah. They'd be having some insane shit, like beer tasting or like World Series <laughs> yeah. of Poker. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You can't fit in a Flyers preseason game in there. I know. No, just zero hockey, right? It's not allowed. After you put out like ten documentary series on the team during the off season, yeah. they have a new GM, new president, new jerseys, a new era. They have Mishkov over in Sochi lighting it up. Like excitement is here. Yeah, it, it might not last long. Like we're quickly gonna probably gonna get stomped back to reality. <laughs> and everyone. Yeah, very but like, quick. But is it, for here, for now, it's here. Like the hype is here. Like there's people that want to tune in and watch Tyson Forrester play hockey. Yeah. No, and yeah, the, and those are people that aren't like us. Like, like they might be a little more on the casual side, but they still want to tune in and see what all the fucking talk has been about. Because there's we there has been talk about the Flyers finally. Yeah, especially with the whole Mitchkoff situation. But speaking of the whole Comcast thing, that like your little like rant kind of reminded me of on Saturday uh, during the scrimmage, Dan Hilferty, the the CEO of Comcast Spectre, he was walking around introducing himself to the fans. He was just like. Walking around, and I heard behind me, like, hey, my name's Dan. I work here. And he was just like, thanks for sticking around with us. And he was just, like, really cool and, like, introducing himself to people. And I thought that was pretty cool that he came down and, like, it immersed himself with the fans. You know what I mean? Like, not that he's above us or anything, but, like, it was just cool oh, that yeah. he came down and absolutely like, talked to he us. Gets it was it. cool. Yeah, he it was gets cool. It. And that's why, at the end of the day, I- I've said this, like, we don't know if this – leadership group is going to succeed but i think the reason why everyone is so positive is just it's so easy to root for yeah everyone because the intentions have to be in the right place i mean you're talking about danny briere and keith jones and for what we're hearing out of dan hilferty like the intentions are in the right place like they want to get this back to where it should be and, and you could really feel that in their interviews the words that they say and yeah obviously there's a lot of actions to be done but if there was ever a leadership group that I want to get it done, it's this one. If there's ever one I'm rooting for, it's this one. I have more confidence in this group than I've probably had in my time as a Flyers fan, and I just hope they don't burn me for it. And you make a good point. I think that's the 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 best. I mean, the most important thing of of it all is their intentions, right? And I, th- I think so far, I mean, it's been good. And we talked about Ed Snyder getting honored on January sixth uh, versus Calgary. I mean, that's awesome. 
you got the double-sided logo coming back, something that Ed Snyder really liked and respected. So, I Dude, mean, it's something it's, that I really like. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it just... Better. It's a classic thing. It's, it's a tradition thing is, like, I guess the I way I would word it, it's, it's the way things were. Like, mm-hmm. when I grew up and I went to Wells Fargo Center or the Wachovia Center for a game, it was double-sided logo. And... I just I always liked it, and whenever I would play an NHL video game, for instance, and I'd be designing my arena or, or Eastville Arena, I would always do try to do a double logo. Like I don't know, like it just it's minor, but I like it. it yeah, it's no, a tradition no, thing. It's, it's probably something that you're just used to because you grew up with the Flyers when Ed was the guy here, and that's what they had. And it's just it makes for badass pictures too. It does like, look ever, good. Have you ever seen like a face-off picture of like Giroux yeah. and Crosby with the double logo? Like I just think it's. I just think it's badass. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. It was kind of crazy that now we can find, not not finally, but now we can look back on Flyers history and Giroux was a part of it. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's weird talking about him in like the past tense. I know he's not dead or anything, but it's (laughs) from like a from a Flyers fan that legitimately grew up with that guy. It's 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 weird. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Well, it feels like now we can move on. Like everything yeah. else. Oh yeah, like... definitely. I'm I've definitely moved on, but it, it is still a little weird sometimes. I'm just like, huh? Yeah, he he really isn't with us yeah. anymore, huh? Well, I think that's the the weird part about it is like, so you trade Giroux and you're in, you're in a bit of like a in between period. You're like your team doesn't have an identity. It doesn't have a leadership group. Couturier's hurt. It's just, it's a bit of like yeah. a, it's a bit of an in between patch. There's really like no one to root for as a fan. It's like. But now that we're we're really getting the the semblance of the the new core and the new team, it's you could finally look back on that era and say like, we're all, we're on to bigger things. But we can look back at that and say it is the past now. Like that yeah. is gone. It's tucked away. It's in the history books and good. It, <laughs> it was an annoying era. Love Giroux. I'll defend him to death. But I'm glad the new era started. I'm glad we got. New face of the organization coming in, Matt Vay. And um, it's overdue. It was overdue. Yeah, I mean, I. You make a good point. It it is overdue. And like you said, we'll always remember the good times with him. But like you said, new faces, new era. Matt Vay, Cartagoche soon. I mean, you got the picks coming up this year. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to, right? So. Yeah. Well, because I think for us specifically, the, the team would have to, and I think we, we've said this, like, privately to each other, like, the mm-hmm. next team that earns our, like, true, like, love for a team is going to be special because we love the Flyers growing up because of Giroux, because of those teams. Even though they weren't they weren't the greatest, we were just so young and naive, and Giroux yeah. is so good that we just, like, convinced ourselves that he could carry them to a playoff, or just, like, false hope every single year. So, it's nice now that we're older, we look at the game differently, we don't get sold magic beans anymore, we don't have false hope, even if it we come across as miserable at times. I think it's just because we've, we've followed every season for like the last 15 years, and we, we can yeah. kind of read the writing on the wall sometimes. When We've been disappointed enough times, basically. We've had false hope enough times to for it to burn us. So, and like the you next said. team that earns our... Our trust, our love that goes on a deep run is going to be special because it won't be because of some um, child like looking up to Giroux. Like I, I was a kid, I was eleven. I looked up to Giroux. Like he was like my favorite athlete. I watched his highlights all the time. That's gone now. Like I'm 24. I don't, I don't, I don't 
look up to players like that anymore. I still like players, but mm-hmm. the next team has to be good. It has to be well ran. It has to be cost controlled. Like I, I look for these things, and I, I think we might get it. That's why I'm very yeah. excited. It'll be an actual team, not just one guy carrying a squad for six, yeah. seven years. And then right? band-aids, yep, yep. Yeah. And then, like, half-ass rebuild. And then suddenly, oh, no, we're not rebuilding anymore. We're getting James Van Reems done. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, God. But like you said, quickly, not not quickly, but soon, we will get shot back down to reality with this team. Like, hopes are high. We've missed hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. They're they're gonna be better than a lot of people think. I mean, I think people think they're gonna be bottom three. I don't think they're gonna be that bad, but they're not gonna be good. Like they're not gonna be a good hockey no, team, no. right? And I think the difference is we we expect that. Like yeah. we know we're gonna get our ass kicked. It's just about yeah, we lost five uh, two, but who scored the two for us? Oh, it was it was York. <laughs> it was yeah. York assisted <laughs> by was... Frost. All right, all right. It was Tippett assisted by York. York two point game. All right. All right, yeah. that, that's what this season is. Exactly. There are going to be a lot of storylines within the actual game for the Flyers this year. It's going to be just a tons of development and seeing how guys like Frost, Tippett, York, Cates, like you say, how they continue to develop. Or Forrester is a huge question mark. Not question mark, but he's a huge prospect going into the season. I mean, if he continues to play like he did when he first came up, I mean, seven points in eight games, that's that's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the hope, right? I mean, he's the yeah. guy you look at this year until hopefully a Gauthier comes in later in the year. But he is, and, and I think that's else? why so many people were um, on his head for the rookie yeah. series is because he's the marquee piece of this season. Like, let's mm-hmm. be real. He's the guy. Like, he's the guy we're going to hype up. We're probably going to write a bunch of blogs about him. We're probably going to put a bunch of highlight clips about him. Like, it's, he's the guy this year to follow. So yeah. oh, absolutely. he's got a spotlight on him. But what was the other player you were going to mention? Cutter Gauthier, and obviously, I mean, you got, I mean, you you mentioned him like five minutes ago, but we have to talk about him, and we brought a special guest in just to talk about him with us, because he's just, you gotta love what he says about Matt Faye, so, Matt Faye Mitchkov has been over at HC Sochi, lighting it up, I'm pretty sure he has, what, two goals, three assists, so five points in five games with them, so, we had to bring in our man Derek, uh, Derek Dunn to talk about him, so, Derek, welcome, can you hear us? Hey, what's good, guys? Um, and Derek sounds like he's underwater, so uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to see if Derek can fix that. But, no, seriously, Mitchkov says uh, since been setting uh, – I'm sorry, since being loaned, if you will. Like, I don't, I don't explain that to a lot of people. Like, oh, he's not – he didn't get traded. No, he's he still being sent, paid by he, the team yeah, that snaked him. But. He didn't get set <laughs> down. Like, you have so many people in our in our comments, especially, like – Oh yeah, now he can put on points because he's in a in a in a lesser league. One guy said, and like, of course, you had eighteen replies and quote tweets under like it's the same league they had. Yeah. Like, he went to the Flyers of the KHL. That's the way I would frame it. He went to the Flyers of the KHL. He went to a team that there's nothing but opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at um, I'm sorry, Deminidov, who. Yeah. Quote unquote, from a certain scout said that beat out Mitchkov for the spot, and then now he's in the MHL and hasn't played in like a week. The, so. the, the guy walked like three people, and all of Montreal was like, "He's the next Russian." And I'm telling you, this is the guy. This is like, it was sad to see. It really was. I'm not gonna lie, it's been really weird to see how Montreal fans have dealt with that. 
because I mean it, it's kind of like half and half. Like half of them are like, yeah, you got Mitchkov, congrats. And then the other half are like, Mitchkov is literally the worst player in the world, and Ryan Balker is the goat. And it's it, it's kind of weird to see how that's both... Montreal for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the two sides of the extremes. Let's see if Derek is back from uh, being underwater. So we'll we'll see if he's uh back. Derek, do you sound any better now? I don't know. Do I? Yes, you do. Welcome to the show, Derek. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, guys. I was panicking for a minute there. You don't sound like you're hanging out with uh, Patrick and SpongeBob, so this is definitely a good... Uh... Nice. I mean, they're good company, but, but I, I didn't I didn't want to spend any more time with them. But uh, an episode that way. We had to bring you on because we're talking about your boy, uh, Matei Mitchkov. So it, it, it's five points in, in five games with Sochi, or has it been four games with Sochi? Five points in four games with Sochi. Yep. But he I, I played do the say one game with Ska where he played six minutes and he's still a point per game total in the KHL. Even if you count his bullshit game with Ska, you can count that mm-hmm. and he is still a point per game because that is how insane he has been with Sochi. He is creating offense basically every time he steps foot on the ice. I mean, never put him back on SKA. I, ne- I no, don't never. want him near their claws. I, never again. Ever again. If I see him go back to that organization, that's it's going to be a bad day because I just know they're going to be on some bullshit, man. They can I, frame it any way they want. I was really willing to give them the benefit of the doubt heading into this season because this is how I saw it for them. I thought... They saw what Mitch Koff did with Sochi after they played this game with him last year and said, well, okay, shit, he told us he's an actual part of the roster. Let's get him aboard and let's give him, well, you know, carte blanche, top six minutes. Let's see what he's really got with us. Instead, Mm -hmm. they decided to pretend that the first run with Sochi never happened. They treated 22-23 or 23-24 Mitchkov this season Mitchkov like last season Mitchkov which tells me that we're not actually evaluating him as a hockey player. We have some weird personal issue with this 19-year-old kid. And I don't mean we, I actually mean one guy because they have a GM coach owner Superman over there by the name of Roman Rotenberg. And the only explanation I have for his whole thing with Ska is that Mitch Koff told him at some point that he has no idea what he's talking about <laughs> or used words to that effect. And Rotenberg was like, a 19-year-old kid is going to tell me to hey, learn puck. <laughs> An 18-year-old kid is going <laughs> to tell me to learn what the hell I'm talking about? Unacceptable. Staple him to the bench. Well, is this the same coach that apparently thinks that he's qualified to coach hockey because he watched 400 games of, of, of game film? Yes. The one in the same. He did say 800. Hey, the the, the guy's way. playing GM mode. The guy's playing GM <laughs> mode. Like, what is. the fuck is going on here? I, I don't know. I am just happy that he is with Soshi for... Everybody talks about the ice time, and by the way. Yeah, he's getting a lot of ice time, but Soshi is a real team this year with like actual forwards to play around him. They play a very skill-oriented game. If you watch them, they look a lot cleaner than Ska, genuinely. They look a lot more precise and execute the sport of hockey. 
at a higher level than Ska, which is kind of insane, but that's Roman Rodenberg for you. And the other piece of it is, while Ska is head coached by Roman Rotenberg, whose experience is being the son of an oligarch and watching a lot of hockey, the uh, Sochi, I mean, has the head coach of the Russian national team with about eight years of experience or something, who was coach Mitch Kopp before his run with Sochi. Like, they have a very real development staff down there. He is yeah. not being sent to China. The Russian equivalent of China. He's not playing for Kanlan. There's no memes here. So she is a very real KHL franchise. And he's going to get both opportunity and genuine development down there. And I think we're seeing that right off the bat, too. I mean, look at the... I mean, you already mentioned the ice time and the points. He, I mean, he looks like he's comfortable down there with that team. So, I mean, it's only good for him. It's only good for the Flyers. So, I mean, thumbs up from, from this side, right? I mean, there's no complaints... On the I, 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 yeah. I think it's because he's been too open about his goals. Like I, I think he he's coming to the season saying like I plan to dominate the KHL and then go to North America. And I think that that rubbed that that rich boy the wrong way. Yeah, I, I think he's like you got your sights set too big. You got to take it one day at a time, and you haven't even earned your spot here. It's like, dude, he daggered your team last season, and he's about to do it again in about a week. I think you're really on to something. And I think we can even relate to that a little bit, like in North America, because we kind of expect our generational talents, our super freak athletes, especially in the sport of hockey, to pretend they aren't as talented as they are. Everybody claps like baby seals when Bedard's just like, gee, I'm hoping to make the Blackhawks this year. And everybody claps like baby seal when Sidney Crosby acts like he isn't the most talented hockey player to ever grace the face of the earth or when Connor McDavid says something so vanilla and milk toast <laughs> that he should be prosecuted in the Hague for war crimes. Like we all love that shit. But Mitchkoff isn't like that. Mitchkoff is like, I exist on this earth to be an elite hockey player. That's what I am. That's what I'm going to be. And I'm perfectly happy letting you know that because I don't feel like me being good at hockey and telling you that is me being arrogant. It's me noticing that I'm really good at hockey. Yeah, He's got a different mindset than a lot of people. And it's going to rub people like Roman Rotenberg, who has his own ego, the wrong way. So, yeah, Danny, I think that was excellent. Brilliant point. I mean, I'm not surprised with Rotenberg. And I, I kind of wanted to run something by Danny real quick. And I already ran this by you, Derek, but I wanted to know uh, – I wanted to see what he thought. With the whole situation going on with SKA and how he got sent back over to, I mean, how he got loaned to Sochi, I kind of ran something by Derek. I'm like, hey, do you think this is SKA's way of being like, hey, like talking to the Flyers? This is SKA talking to the Flyers and regarding Mitchkov. Like, hey, look, he's obviously not ready to go over to the NHL if, if he can't even make our team. Look, we had to send him back to Sochi last year. And then they keep doing that for the, the, the three years. So he serves out the entire contract and then doesn't come over. So, I mean, I was like, I was kind of in my bag a little bit, kind of thinking of worst-case scenario. But, I mean, obviously it's something to think of, right? It's interesting. And then the wrench maybe that I could throw in is, like, he switched Russian agents or he is in the process of switching Russian agents. And when I factor that in, I think there's there was something bigger that happened, like Derek said. I think there was some level of you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. Or, yeah. I clearly, I know this path, 
or maybe there was some kind of conversation with the Flyers where I, I don't know. I really don't know. It's I feel like it's it's I could speculate all day. Derek, you know more about the, the the Asian stuff, I believe, right? Not a ton more, just because we're still in the rumor stage at this point. Yeah, but. That's what's so tough about this this Russian news. Sorry to interrupt you. I'll let you go. But that's what's oh, so tough yeah. about these Russian news outlets. And that's and really all I was going to say on this, and all I can say on this is that the rumor out there is that he's dropped his current agent Sergey Fedorov, who has a lot of connections with the KHL, and that's about it. He's a very good KHL agent. He was very good for a 15 year old Matvey Mitchkov trying to sign a professional contract which to that point nobody had ever done. But it seems as if he is trying to switch to an agent, and I forget his name, but this agent has a lot more connections, not just to the KHL, but to the North American scene. This guy's been worked with NHL players, I believe currently works with NHL players. So if Mitchkoff is making this switch now, you could read the tea leaves and say, he plans on needing American connections within the next year or so. That would be an easy conclusion to draw. Didn't he also go back to school so he doesn't have to do the mandatory military service? He did. Uh, yeah, that he came did. from an interview recently. And it I actually like just. He's not trying to finesse. No. Like no. No, he's, uh, he's not direct. trying. Yes. He, he's basically telling everybody what his plans are. And I think he told everybody what his plans are come draft night. Like he's telling everybody, I'm going to dominate the KHL. I'm going to probably do it this coming year or this year right <laughs> now. And then I'm going to come to America. Like <laughs> he's not hiding the ball here. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like this, he word for word said this. Yeah. That's why <laughs> they're moving the goalposts SKA. Oh, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. This is the way they want players like him to go about it. I mean, we just saw with the Fedotov. They like they clearly made a point out of him, and they want players to check every box and go about it the right way and not lie to the organization. And he's done no, he's done no lying. He's been nothing but open about his intentions. And I feel like he's just gotten uh, brushed to the side due to petty politicking because of that. I think one thing to keep in mind is that the KHL and SKA and everybody over in Russia has never dealt with this before. They've never dealt with a talent of Mitchkov's magnitude who has developed as quickly as Mitchkov has. We say he's the best prospect since Ovechkin or Malkin, but they're very different prospects. Mitchkov outdeveloped Malkin, outdeveloped Ovechkin at every age up to now by leaps and bounds. Those two have elite athletic traits, and they took leaps later in their development cycles when they were 19 20 years old mitchkov came on the scene when he was 15 years old and signed a professional contract for five years so he could be the first player as to play in the mhl at 15 years old it is the russian equivalent to the exceptional status that bedard received in the chl except it's even more rare because six people did it before bedard and zero people did it before mitchkov and what we're dealing with now is Skov wants to treat Mitchkov as if he's every other player that came out of Russia and eventually became a star. Yeah, sure, Matt Vey, you'll be like Kirill Kaprizov, which means you'll stay over here till you're 23 and 24, and then you finally go over, and then you make us look real good. But the problem is Matt Vey 
looks to be ready long before 23 looks to be ready before the end of this contract and i don't think they know how to handle that because they've never done it they've never seen a talent like this yeah that's a really good point man i mean he's what outproduced every other russian prospect ever like malkin Ovechkin. if this kid doesn't have a record in russia it's because he chose not to broke it break it <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, you love hearing the the possibility that he could be here before the three years but i, I feel like it's so far-fetched that it's not even worth it's a play it by year thing in yeah. the sense that like i won't be shocked if it happens because like it's matt bay mitchkoff and he really doesn't do anything that shocks me anymore but at the same time, it's a three-year contract. The KHL's a pain in the ass. So I don't want to get everybody's hopes up to the moon and have everyone expecting something to happen. But I also don't want to tell people that he's locked over in Siberia for the next three years and there's no chance you'll ever see him before then. Because, well, I don't believe that to be true either. I think it's a true coin flip on whether or not he's in Flyers training camp next season. That's Which, why the agent thing is so interesting to me. Yeah. Which would be crazy. Could you imagine if he came over next fucking training camp? Because, like, you know, <sighs> Kota Goche would be here. He'd be here. York would be another year older. Yeah, the goalpost that they set was when he's ready, he can come over. And if he's a, above a point per game player this year, <laughs> if he finishes with that, how can you fucking argue that? Is it because, oh, he's on Sochi, though. Oh, he was on Sochi when he did like. It's the same. It's the same uh, division, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Like I mean, dude, it's the yeah, it's the same league. So like, and they're playing against SK, especially if he lights up <laughs> yeah, SK. Yeah, dude, that would is. be great. But like, how could they? And I, I wouldn't put it past Russia, Russia oligarchs and shit to <laughs> to not be up to their word. But how could they not let him go over if he's above a point per game player this year? I. I don't think they could because, I mean, look at the players who produce, and look at what these players produced in the KHL in the year before they went to America, like Kirill Kaprizov. Kirill Kaprizov, in his, uh, the year he came over, I believe, was just over a point per game. I could be wrong. He, he was like point per game ish. He might have been under a point per game. Artemi Panarin. Yeah, go ahead and check that. Yeah, what keep, I, keep going. I'll check for here's you. What I, here's, I'll say this about what you'll find. You are not going to find anybody who was putting up like 1.2, 1.3 points per game, and they were just putting up like 100-some point seasons. You're not going to find that because the KHL isn't like that. For all the reputation of, oh, everybody who has horrible defense comes over from Russia, it's a low-scoring league. Now... They don't have a ton of defensemen to come over. So that kind of fuels the reputation of every game is 7-6 to six because we see Alex Ovechkin, but we don't see um, Jacob Slavin come over from the KHL. But if you look at these games, it ain't easy to score over there. Uh, looking at it now, sorry to kind of just not Absolutely respond go right to what you said, but I'm looking at it now. I think it's last year in Russia... Well, he's with CSKA Moskva. Moscow. <laughs> it's M-O-S-K-V-A. Wow. Yeah, okay. no idea what that is. But he had 62 and 57 that year. And that was 
Yeah, and I imagine that's towards the high end of yeah. players. Like, I remember Ovechkin, and sure, this was a long time ago, but Ovechkin, I don't believe, put up a point per game before he came over to America as a 20-year-old. And actually, I'm sure he didn't, because everybody was shocked when he came over the next season and he put up like 100-some points and 50 goals as a rookie in the NHL. Yeah. And yeah, look, guys, the offense in the NHL is a lot better. And so when you take these super hyper-offensively talented guys and you put them with guys who are really hyper-talented, you're going to get more points out of them. Which is why I have no trouble saying that when Mitchkov does come over, there's going to be zero lag. There's going to be zero just watch while he develops. He's going to make an immediate impact. Oh, yeah. And, it might be easier. like he, Especially like assisting. And passing, oh, play, yeah. I feel like that playmaking, I think, just might come easier. Wait, like, wait, no, people. Uh, no, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Okay, as much as some people around our fan base do not like Morgan Frost and want him sent to Siberia and/or China, Morgan Frost would be the most talented line mate uh, Matt Bamichkov has ever played with. And I know what you're saying. Uh, what about Ivan Demidov? Ivan Demidov, as an 18-year-old, is not on the level that Matt Bamichkov is going to be playing with in Philly in year one. Not as an 18-year-old. He'll get there. He's really good. But not as an 18-year-old. So when he comes over, all these passes that people can't handle, Morgan Frost will be able to handle them. Owen Tippett sure as hell will be able to handle them. Sean Couturier and Cutter Gauthier will be able to handle them. Mm -hmm. Like the, the infrastructure that you're... Okay. I'm going to derail myself right <laughs> here because... I laughed at this to myself a few days ago, and I'm just now remembering it. I remember I mocked the shit out of torts when he gave some interview and he was like, we got to build the infrastructure first. And then when everything's built around it, then we can go out and we can add a generational talent. The reason I mocked the shit out of torts and laughed at that statement so hard was because it sounded utterly ridiculous. Like, we're going to be a good team, and then out of nowhere, we're going to find a generational talent. Like, what? Those guys come, like, once every 10 years, first overall in the draft. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, well, golly, I don't know if it was planned or if Torts has some deal with the devil. We got Mafe Mitchkoff at number seven overall, and we have time to build an infrastructure before generational talent comes sweeping through. So, I don't know. Maybe Torts is just... 12 steps ahead of everybody including me <laughs> but <laughs> i will say that was the cleanest prediction anybody has ever made <laughs> it's funny you say that because he also said towards the end of the season last year that i mean how many times did he say oh we just keep going just doing our thing we don't try to lose just 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 do our thing each game and then the hockey gods will reward you in the end and like everyone laughed at him including us so then now look what happened the hockey guard the hockey gods did reward us in the end so it, it is he kind of predicted it twice if you're yeah asking. yeah he, he kind of called it i mean even daddy with his talk about oh you don't want to mess up karma and hockey karma mm -hmm. and all that like okay i guess that's real i guess i gotta stop cheering for the team to lose <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> but I think we've seen other organizations get this kind of stroke of luck or good karma, if you will. You know, like not everyone sells it down like the Blackhawks did. Like some teams I just mean, get. Oh, yeah, I mean, look at New Jersey. Look at the Penguins, and I know that's crazy to say, but it's not, like it's not the crazy Penguins 
Scott Yager at fifth overall in a very similar situation to the Mitchkov situation. And then they, their team never really blows up completely. I mean, it gets bad, don't get me wrong. But they don't do a Chicago-style scorched-earth teardown, and they get number two one year in 2004, which happens to be the year where Evgeny Malkin is available. And there was some controversy behind that, as in a lot of people didn't want to take the Russian kid who wasn't Alex Ovechkin. I do remember that, but the Penguins put their foot down, and they did it, and they took Malkin. And then they won the lottery the next year, where I believe they were fourth worst team in the league i could be wrong but they i don't think were a blackhawk style disaster and they won the lottery and they got Sidney crosby so yeah even they're an example of like good karma coming their way yeah i don't know what they did to deserve it but wish wish it never happened but (laughs) (laughs) wish crosby was cooking the league on some other team that i didn't see eight times a year Real quick before we uh before we do end episode one hundred, which is already almost an hour and ten minutes in, this is flown by. I wanted to get your uh, quick predictions on tonight's game, Derek. Have you seen the the lineup yet? Uh, Zach, our boy who's running fire flyers clips, sent in power play two to me. I got to make a quick comment. My God, towards power play two, Frost in the preseason. This guy, he wants his kid in China so bad. But, I don't okay. even think Frost yeah, runs. Oh, Frost. I don't even think Tortorella runs the power play. Isn't that Rocky? Uh, oh yeah. Okay, so maybe Rocky wants him in China. But but beyond that, <laughs> to be fair, power play two. The, like the personnel on it is also like there's some veterans and like actual guys who would be on the first power play with Frost. I was just gonna ask that. Is this a reps thing? Like, are the who's on power play one? Is this like a, a thing? Like they just want to get them some time. I could go. Maybe. I could go find it real quick if you guys kind of. That's uh, right here. So the I second, can, okay. the second unit is Farabee, Frost, Andrea, Lyxell, and Akison. It's a legit unit. It's a good like, unit. As much as I joke yeah. around, that's legit. And then no, the first unit is York for York Forrester, Couturier, Tuomala, Brink. So they're obviously giving some young guys on it. A chance on the top okay. unit, so it's not yeah. like a Frost is on the second unit and he's going to China kind of thing. Not yet, <laughs> not yet, but, not yet. But, uh, okay. So my actual predictions: I'm going to give uh, three guys whom I expect to do really well, yes. and then I do want to talk a little bit about Sean Couturier. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the three guys whom I expect to do very well: Emil Andre. I think is just going to continue impressing people because I mean. All the things that would impress you about Cam York, Emil Andre brings that, in my opinion, to a slightly lesser extent. But he also impresses the shit out of more traditional hockey men because he loves clobbering people. So, you know, the people on that Flyers bench are going to love him, and I'm going to love him, albeit for slightly different reasons. So, Emil Andre, I expect to just impress everybody, especially in the Barriere. Bobby Brink. I think Bobby Brink is going to be the best player on the ice tonight. And I hope so. Because I think they're playing a lot of the big boys, the Devils, I mean, in the other game. So I think the Devils are bringing a lot of their prospects to this game. And I think Bobby Brink is going to just take over. Because in a lot of the like scrimmages and drills and things that I've seen, I don't know, you were at training camp, so you can add or subtract from what I'm saying. But 
Bobby Brink took over a ton of shifts. He looks like the guy they drafted in 2019. He finally looks healthy again. He was making plays all over the ice, and I think we're going to see that guy. And the third guy that I think we're going I'm that I think is going to look really good, just going to look exceptional is Cam York. And the big thing about York is he just looks and feels and sounds so much more comfortable with the team than he did last year. Like last year, I don't know what it was, but he was so deadpan as if to be like, I don't know if I want to be here. Oh my God, why am I here? Yeah, I got this John Tortorella guy yelling at me every five seconds. The team is not great. I This is my first run to the NHL. I am very uncomfortable. That was basically the vibe I got through for Cam York through much of last year, even while he was playing very well. This year, however, totally different story. That thing about him struggling on the ice and training camp comes out. And instead of being like, what? No, I didn't get tired. I, I don't know what you're talking about. He comes out and he's like, I'm going to burn John Tortorella's fucking rope. That, Hide yeah. that rope because I'm coming for it. That like, was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. And here he is. He's joking around. He's comfortable. And, and I think through that comfort is going to come confidence and just the willingness to really make plays and act like the NHL and especially this is sort of like NHL, AHL hybrid game isn't fast for him anymore. I think we're going to see that. And my fourth little impromptu, uh, Sean Couturier mentioned, I am very curious to see what he looks like because from what I've seen in camp, he is physically the same guy that we came to know. And it does, I've gotten the impression that there was some rust to be knocked off and there probably is some rust to be knocked off even now. But if Sh- I'm really going to be watching the athleticism of Sean Couturier and how he skates and how he looks just sort of athletically. Can he still protect the puck like he used to? Because, oh my God, he used to have people riding his back for 20 minutes at a time. Can he still do that stuff? Because if he can, well, you're going to see a massively different looking Flyers team in 23-24. Yeah. I agree. I think you took the words out of my mouth in the beginning of the episode when I was talking about Coots and Brink, to be honest. So, yeah, and if, York. And York. We mentioned the yeah. York seeming more reserved last year and hey, just how comfortable and vocal he is. He came and, in and accidentally summarized the episode. It's beautiful, actually. It was like poetry in motion. Uh, I love it. <laughs> nice episode. Well, 74 minutes. Beautiful. Return. Wait, before we go, let's just touch on this a little bit the Shane Pinto thing. And Ottawa, there's been a little bit of talk. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? I mean, uh, I don't even see anything happening. They're going to sign him. Uh, I, I think it's going to be Ottawa trading away a pick for somebody to take on Matthew Joseph, which, I mean, it could be us. It could be another team, but Pinto's not going anywhere himself. The, ti- the timing combined with their ask is just weird to me. Yeah. Like, I feel is. like at, th- at this point in this, like, the beginning of the season, teams entering camp, teams kind of have their rosters filled out, their money spent, and I don't know. It's just a mean, you got, unrealistic with the... You got Jamie Drysdale. I'm sorry to cut you off. You got Jamie Drysdale over in uh, Anaheim. Trevor Zegers over in Anaheim still not signed, too. So... Crazy. It is kind of wild to think about. Like, I, you guys I, see what they offered Zegers? Yeah, like three million, right? Four million. 
three to four million for Trevor Zegras. They're trying to pay him less than Joel Farabee. We'll take him, dude. Oh, that's bad. He's gonna leave, man. I'll that's take bad. it. They gotta Please stop send that. him over here. Yeah, what the fuck? I'll take him. Uh, no, they're, they're legit fighting with fire there. You, I would, as a team market like them, I would not. You you want you want to like make these guys feel supported like it's their like it's their franchise you know what I mean it, it's just a terrible way to go about it they're they're he, definitely handling that wrong he's gonna this leave is a free great agency. way to extend your rebuild by a decade <laughs> yeah they're right? doing a great job of extending their rebuild by ten years yeah I mean if they continue that way for sure I mean I, not that he's fucking Crosby but I mean just it sets a bad precedent for the entire organization if that's how you're going to treat a guy who's of Zeros' caliber. Um, Who still can be a very incredible yeah. player and possibly superstar in this league. Like, I said on Twitter a little while ago, in terms of, I don't think Zegers can be the guy, the best offensive player on a championship-caliber team, like Nikita Kucherov as an example. Mm-hmm. The thing I said was, if you go back and look at the guys historically in the NHL, you're going to see two categories, for the most part. One generational talents like Crosby and McDavid who just came in and started dominating from day one or two, a lot of guys who have scored less than 60 points in two seasons, as in 60 points in both seasons before they turn 22. Like that is a very impressive feat and everybody's clowning on him because of the way he goes about it. And everybody is acting as if that's not absolutely insane. No, that's incredible. Travis Konechny didn't have 60 points in his career by year two or by the end of year two. Now, that might be an exaggeration, but I don't think it is by much. And that's not a hit on Travis Konechny. That's putting into context. Trevor Zegras is really oh, a he's good. top-tier talent in the NHL. I agree. And whether he makes the most of that talent, we'll see. Time will tell. But the talent level is top-notch. Yeah, that's Cam York's buddy from the, the U.S. team. Let's reunite them. Come on, Anaheim. Send them over. We'll take them. <laughs> That's the move Danny Breer is talking about. The big move <laughs> down the line. <laughs> there we go. Imagine Mitchkoff and Zegris. Jesus I'm Christ. Like <laughs> <laughs> Globetrotter shit. <laughs> Jesus. All right, boys. Let's get this hockey season started. Let's go. Hell yeah. Right, right before you... uh. Right before you break it down, I do want to take a little, little thirty-second, forty-second uh, segment. Um, so obviously, we have been missing for like almost half the summer. I think our last episode was what August fifth, Danny. Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like but that. Just a not a good summer for for me personally or Danny personally. Um, definitely dealt with some personal things that a lot of people on Twitter know about. So I just want to. Reach out and thank you, Danny, and thank you, Derek, and everybody who's listening for just being there for me throughout the summer and everything that kind of transpired. It did suck, but I do appreciate you guys, so just wanted to kind of tip my cap. I extend Anytime, that man. same notion to you, both of you guys as well. Yeah, man. I feel, I feel oh, like always. I'm in the same boat as well, so yeah. thank you to the both of you. Thank you to anyone who listens. We are going back on every Monday schedule as we enter this hockey season here. And I'm just looking forward to following this team. Uh, it's year one of the new regime. I'm looking forward to following Matt Vay's game. Uh, Matt Vay's game's over in the KHL. And yeah, this should be fun, man. I'm excited. Cutter, yeah, of course. There's a lot of things to be excited about. I'm watching a ton about. of BC. <laughs> 
for a sure. A lot of storylines, a lot of yeah, a lot of BC globe trotting. I'm gonna be watching that, and I'm excited for it all. Me too, man. All right, well, this was episode 100. I can't believe it's been 100. It's crazy. Entering our fifth season, that, that is that is insane. It really is. But this is an episode 100. You can follow us on all socials at the Liberty Yo. Follow me on Twitter at TLY Danny. Follow Chris at Chris Stumps and Derek at Suitable Alias. Go floor.